The purpose of Retire with Style is to help you discover the retirement income plan that is right for you. The first step is to discover your retirement income personality. Start by going to resaprofile.com style and sign up to take the industry's first financial personality tool for retirement planning. Combining everyone's favorites, taxes, and the U.S. healthcare system. It's like peanut butter and jelly. Hey, everybody. Alex here. Welcome to Retire With Style. And I'm here with... Wade. And uh, this is, we're coming off a of Thanksgiving break. So I hope everyone here had a great Thanksgiving. How, how was your Thanksgiving, Wade? Oh, yeah. Yeah, pretty good. <laughs> and the family together, the immediate family. But, uh, yeah, had turkey and all the fixings, so can't really complain. That, that, that's what it's all about. How that's about you? you? You had a big gathering, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, it was fairly large. Uh, yeah, just like you, all the fixings, uh, more than you can eat. So, uh, to that extent, um, you know, I'm very blessed, my family and myself, and... Uh, yeah, can't complain. I mean, uh, great time to get together. So, yeah, awesome. Uh, Absolutely. <laughs> and coming off of Thanksgiving, we've got a topic today that uh, we, sometimes we say, oh, this is going to be a short episode. <laughs> we'll see how that goes. But uh, well, it is a, well, we a know people wish it, We do know people <laughs> wish we, do have, we did have short episodes. But, you know, so it goes. <laughs> what, do we, which, what, what are we talking about today? Which one? Well, in the theme, so last week we had Michael Finca on to talk about one of his recent articles in Advisor Perspectives. So I thought, well, let's continue that theme and I'll talk about my most recent article from Advisor Perspectives, which is was published just in mid-November on looking at the tax planning implications of the uh, health insurance subsidies for individuals who get health insurance through the Affordable Care Act. Nice. So wait, Which is not a... A majority of Americans, and it's also it's for individuals who are pre Medicare still. So this is, if there is one episode that maybe doesn't apply to the entire audience, this might be the one. But if you are someone who does maybe an early retiree before age sixty five, using uh, the Affordable Care Act for health insurance, this can be quite a relevant, important episode for you. So wait. Uh... Did you decide to talk about this specifically because Michael just did his last week and you were like, you know what, I got to throw one of mine in there <laughs> just to make sure that Michael doesn't exactly get one of us? <laughs> <laughs> no, we did originally have a, a guest plan that we'll have in the future, but uh, some family illnesses came up that uh, we're at the last minute uh, looking for a new topic that we could quickly put together. So that's All the right. genesis of this week's episode. <laughs> oh, okay, it wasn't one-upmanship, I'm thinking. <laughs> a, little, a little inside baseball there. <laughs> All right. All right, man, far away. This is a good article. I, I, you know, we obviously went through it. Uh, how do you want to begin it? Well, yeah, I mean, I mean, just the, the general point. Later, at some point, we will have an entire series of episodes about tax planning for retirement. There's a lot of coverage out there of some of those important issues, like the, the Social Security tax torpedo, the Medicare surcharges, which we'll talk about can be a double whammy for two years with people who are using the Affordable Care Act. 
uh, but other things like that, you don't see as much attention paid to the uh, loss of health insurance subsidies. And so I thought there's a little niche there. It's worth writing a column that just explains how that works. And there's a, a different set of rules that's now in place to 2025. And if no update is made, although really they should just make the current rules permanent uh, to some extent, but in 2026, there'll be a different set of rules if no action is taken. And, and yeah, it's if you're getting your health insurance through a health exchange, the state health exchange, or the just the, the more general health, what is the web show website, healthinsurance.gov, I believe, or something along those lines. <laughs> I'm looking for the exact link there and I'm not seeing it. But uh, if you're getting your, well, the Affordable Care Act more broadly. Healthcare.gov. Yeah, that's it. Thank you, healthcare.gov. Each dollar of income that you have for this Affordable Care Act modified adjusted gross income can lead to a loss of subsidy anywhere from, the range is from 6% to 18.5%. So it's, a marginal tax, like taxes, you can say when you have to pay more taxes, but a, a loss of a subsidy is just sort of like a, a negative version of that. You're you're effectively paying more taxes. You're paying a higher premium on your health insurance as you generate more taxable income. So it, it is something to keep in mind if you are um, thinking about Roth conversions and so forth, that there's an additional quote unquote penalty from generating additional taxable income beyond the uh, tax brackets. And just to be clear, this is this is for people that are using health care coverage through the Affordable Care Act. Is that correct? Mm-hmm. And in 2022, there's 14.5 million Americans who we're talking about today, effectively. So okay. the U.S. population, I do think, is around 300 million. So it's not everyone. But uh, if it is you, it's an important issue. All right. And you want to take us through one of these examples? Well, well, sure. Yeah. I mean, the so the idea is really just explaining how this works. And, and also, if you just look online about the Affordable Care Act, the examples are usually for 45 or 40-year-olds showing lower uh, health insurance premiums, but they are age-based. And so... In 2023, the expected national average health insurance premium over a year, like annual, for a 60-year-old non-smoking couple uh, is $23,450. So it's a a pretty big premium. I'm sorry, $23,250. And so the idea is if your income's low enough, you'll receive a subsidy for the entire amount. Uh, I guess we should back up a little bit too and just explain where these premium subsidy numbers come from. Well, yeah. So (laughs) the Affordable Care Act has four levels of plans. (laughs) There's bronze plans, there's silver plans, there's gold plans, and there's platinum plans. And as you move in the direction from bronze to platinum, usually the premiums increase, but then the uh, out-of-pocket expenses decrease. It's you're paying more out of pocket with a bronze plan, but you'd have a, a lower premium generally. And with platinum, higher premium, uh, but a less out of pocket costs. So the idea of the subsidies is that an American should be able to afford a silver plan, but specifically the second to least expensive silver plan in their county. This is done county level across the United States. So when I said a nationally average premium, that's across all the counties in the U.S. within a given county. These numbers can vary quite a bit. 
but there could be, you know, 20, 30, 40 different silver plans. You can just manually look up in your county what is the second to least expensive premium, and then the subsidy would be based on that. Or you could look at a more general website that uh, is aggregating that kind of information for you. So county by county, what's the second, second least expensive silver plan? And then what the subsidy is based on is what you're expected to pay as a percentage of your income. And it's specifically your ACA modified adjusted gross income, which is your general income sources, the, your adjusted gross income. And then they're going to add in a few other factors, tax exempt interest, which shows up a lot in all this social security tax torpedoes, uh, Irma surcharges from Medicare and so forth that we'd be talking about more in, in other episodes, but also the Affordable Care Act. And then another one is your entire social security benefit shows up in the Affordable Care Act modified adjusted gross income. So you may only have a portion of that being taxable for federal purposes, but it's entirely uh, counted. And, and so we talk a lot about delaying social security, especially if you're receiving subsidies for your health insurance through the Affordable Care Act plan. Uh, that can be a very strong incentive to delay social security because any social security benefit you're receiving can, can have a big impact on reducing the amount of subsidy or effectively increasing the taxes you pay for that coverage. Okay, so that's the, the basic idea. Now, the percentage of the income you can pay does get kind of complicated. And I guess if, probably just hearing about it the first time, you might want to actually just read that part through the article. We can discuss it briefly. But if you do want the full story of that, we'll put the, uh, the link in the show notes for today's episode. But it's, you know, how, how to best think about that. Um, there's we'd look at the poverty threshold. It's based on poverty rates. So in the 48 continental U.S. states, there's one set of poverty rates. Uh, Alaska and Hawaii have different rates. But you look at for what's the household size, There, the poverty threshold depends on household size. And then also, really, you're going to use that. And there's these different thresholds based on that. 150% of the federal poverty threshold for your household based on your household size, 300%, um, 400%. So in the example I use in the article, the uh, federal poverty threshold, we're, we're talking about the kind of the case study. It's a 60-year-old couple, and it is a two-person household, so they don't have other family members in the household that would increase their uh, poverty threshold. Uh, the poverty threshold in, in 2020 for coverage in 2023, you use the 2022 numbers, $18,310 is the federal poverty threshold for a two-person household in the, in the continental United States. So 150% of that. Now, at some point, you'll just qualify for Medicare. It depends on which state. If your income is below either 100 or more commonly with expanded Medicaid uh, 138% of the federal poverty threshold, you're covered through Medicaid, then you get 100% of the subsidy up until you're at 150% of the federal poverty line. And then, and that would be in this example, $27,465. Then you're going to have an increasing percentage of your income you're expected to pay going from zero to 6% until you get up to 
of the federal poverty line, which would be $54,930. And then between 6% and 8.5% of your income until you get up to 400% of the federal poverty line. And that is $73,240 in this example. And then once you're above that, you're expected to pay 8.5%. Now, with our example, you can see that the $23,250 annual premium, uh, that being, eight, you divide that by 8.5%, you're getting up over $200,000. It's more, even more than $270,000 of income where you're still eligible for subsidy. And, and so that that's how the the portion of your income you're expected to pay is determined. And then the subsidy you receive is just a difference between the cost of the insurance for that, again, for that second least expensive silver plan and the portion of your income you're expected to pay. So I hope you got all that, Alex. Did that make sense? It's <laughs> Whenever we describe these kinds of government rules, it's... They don't make things easy. And the, the marginal tax rates coming out of this are not easy either. It's, I, I'm it's realizing, kind of a, oh. uh, yeah, I'm realizing <laughs> this is a podcast. You probably, look, it, it's an important issue. That's why we, we're, we're bringing it up. And look, it's one of these that it's a just the facts kind of podcast today. But uh, you're going to, yeah, print out the article and, 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 and use it with you because it, it, it is, you know, 10% of 5% of 6% of 7% kind of gets difficult to. To maintain and uh, you know Wade's Wade's the one and only you know that, that's why he's the, the scarce resource he kind of, kind of makes sense of these you know very complicated workflows <laughs> you know you know yeah yeah uh, this is it's complicated enough that you probably do want to read this article if if it does apply to you yeah <laughs> Just but hearing I, but, about it on the podcast it's it's kind but of but I think it's important that people kind of recognize because you're, you're you know you're correct uh, who would this apply for who would this apply to you know if, if someone's listening to this episode you know what, what should they be thinking because they're listening to you and it, what's it what's the quick way they can recognize okay does this does this particular information apply to me i will say this it applies to somebody that you know so i, I you know i would forward it along them because you're not going to see many podcasts take time to really you know break this down but you're, you're talking a significant amount of of dollars at play here and healthcare related. Right. And it applies to high incomes as well, because the um, premiums do get more expensive with age that when we're talking about people in their fifties or sixties, like, like I said, in this case study, it's 200, you could have your ACA modified adjusted gross income at $270,000 and still be receiving subsidy. So it's not just something for like, you you know, lower income individuals and so forth. It, it applies to a wide range of the the population who is receiving insurance through this program. Let's take a moment to let the audience know that this show is sponsored by Retirement Researcher. You can learn more about Retirement Researcher at retirementresearcher.com and subscribe to our newsletter where you'll receive weekly actionable information for your retirement planning benefit. Retirement Researcher is an online community devoted to helping you create the retirement income plan geared towards your goals. And that being said, so the the chart, I mean, it's it's a complicated system, but what it leads to, and this is where 
whenever the government makes these kinds of rules, they make it really complicated. And it's probably not worth <laughs> trying to describe the entire shape of this curve. But we have this kind of Batman tax, I call it, because when you plot out the marginal tax rates implied from this, it looks like Batman is appearing in it. It's Once you hit that 150% of the federal poverty line, you start at a 6% marginal tax rate, which just means if I have another dollar of income, I'll lose six cents of the subsidy. And then that starts increasing and it gets up to 18% at that 300% federal poverty threshold. And then it, once you switch to a different, like less aggressive uh, subsidy reduction range, that drops down a little bit below 14%, but then works its way back up to 18.5% when you get to that 400% of the federal poverty line. Now, the old rule that could return in 2026 is there's no subsidy beyond 400%. And that's a huge kind of deal because you could lose a lot by just having $1 of too much income. That rule is not currently in place. That's between 2021 and 2025. We are using a different rule where the subsidies continue at 8.5% beyond that. And then just keep going up depending on how high the health insurance plan is. So how much premium would you get? How long does that subsidy last? Again, for for these age ranges, it can be hundreds of thousands of dollars. I, I ran for Greenwich, Connecticut. It was, you could have over $400,000 of income and still be receiving subsidy. <laughs> Wait, <laughs> uh, did you do one for Little Havana in Miami? <laughs> no, I was just trying to, I don't know which county has the most expensive health insurance, but hey, I thought Greenwich well, sounded pretty posh. So I tried it out. <laughs> uh, <laughs> do you suspect when you get these rules where, you know, they kind of sunset them off and, you know, at a certain year, it, it, it kind of goes back to, you know, some, some level that, you know, at, at first glance seems unreasonable. What's your expectation of what will happen after a few years? You, you think they'll, They'll continue to kick this down the road or will they just let it, let it drop, let the subsidies drop? I think they really have to continue it because it's just, well, the old system is insane. It's like I said, if you have $1 too much income, you could lose, depending on the cost of your insurance, $10,000, $20,000 of subsidy. It's an insane marginal tax rate there. And that was when the, the Affordable Care Act first came into place, that 400% that of the poverty line, that's called a, a subsidy cliff. And they uh, did it. They made, they made more generous subsidies starting in 2021. And then they renewed that again in, in this, this year with the part of the Inflation Reduction Act through 2025. So I would expect that to continue, but under current law, it will not continue. We'll go back to... $1 above 400% and you get nothing. So we just do have to see how that plays out in a few years. Okay. Now, uh, the planning implications of that, like I did mention, we usually talk about delaying social security. And uh, if you're 62 years old and getting health insurance through the Affordable Care Act, this is like a very strong incentive to also delay Social Security, unless your income is so high that you're getting above these high <laughs> thresholds we're talking about, like $200,000, $300,000 range. And, uh, and just to be clear, you're, you're you, saying delay Social Security so your income level doesn't, doesn't take you over the subsidy. So you want to kind of reduce it 
and not reduce it. You don't want to claim just yet. So you don't accept the income. Right. Because not only do you get the benefit of having that higher social security benefit later, but if you, if you took the benefit at 62, it, it will result in you receiving less subsidy. So it's not, you're not getting really your full age 62 benefit. You're getting your age 62 benefit less, less all the subsidies you lost because a hundred percent of that benefit goes into the calculation of what your subsidy will be, which can be a pretty big impact here, especially if your income is in that, like if you're in the 30,000, 40,000, 50,000, $60,000 range, it's where you're talking about these up to 18.5% marginal tax rates. So it can be a big impact on your subsidy reduction. It's just a further reason to delay Social Security. There's one other thing we might want to mention as well, which is when your age is 63 and 64, you get a double whammy. Because this is assuming, again, your your insurance is coming through the Affordable Care Act because you have to deal with your current year income is impacting your subsidy. But then also starting at age 63, your income, your modified adjusted gross income for Medicare is going to impact two years later the Medicare premium you'll pay when you become eligible for Medicare at 65. So it's like my age 63 income is reducing my subsidy for health insurance at age 63, and it's leading me to have to pay more premiums for Medicare at age 65 if I do exceed those Medicare thresholds, which we'll, we'll have a whole nother episode in the future about that aspect. We won't get into all the details right now, but it is an interesting point that <laughs> you can get this double whammy of, of having your income this year impact how much you're paying for health insurance in two different years. Are you getting close to or are you in retirement? Well, investing during retirement is a little bit different than during your working years. Your investments are there to help you pay for retirement. And now is when they need to earn their keep. To make sure you're on the right track, download Retirement Researcher's 8 Tips to Becoming a Retirement Income Investor by heading over to retirementresearcher.com slash 8 tips. Again, get Retirement Researcher's 8 Tips to Becoming a Retirement Income Investor by going to retirementresearcher.com slash 8 tips. That's the number 8 tips. So there really is this sort of chess game that you play when you, when you get to be about 60, right? I mean, we're not even mm-hmm. talking about the Social Security claiming strategies, potential Roth conversions, et cetera, et cetera. This is kind of another thing that you really have to pay attention to, you know, obviously if you, if you qualify. For these types of plans, which, as you said, 15 million do. And, you know, you're, you're still talking since it's since it's county specific to back into what that number is. And so, like you said, you, you could be at Stanford, Connecticut, and you may still qualify even at a five four hundred thousand dollar a year salary. So it's not something that, you know, should be just ignored. Right, right. It gets into this whole tax planning topic. And generally, the idea is if you're an early retiree, it may be a good opportunity to do Roth conversions, which generates a higher adjusted gross income. And then you just do want to be aware of that the downside of that is if you're getting your health insurance as an early retiree through the Affordable Care Act, uh, there's a, a higher marginal tax. It's not just federal income tax brackets, but also loss of subsidies for your health insurance. And, and that wait. Not, might not necessarily overturn the decision, but at least would potentially weigh against being as aggressive about Roth conversions. 
And wait, just to, you know, just to ask the question, to ask the question, why wouldn't you want to get insurance in the Affordable Care Act? Why wouldn't you want or to? Why, or what other option would you have that you could get? Oh, other? <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, there, there's just a number. If you're an early retiree, well, you could, if you're lucky, you might be able to get retiree health insurance to your previous employer. Then it's not an issue for you. Um Cobra, but that can be quite expensive, but and also limited duration of time could be another way. You're not going to get any subsidies for that, but it could be an alternative as well. There's other, I know health share plans are becoming more popular. Those are, it's not technically health insurance, but it works in a very similar manner, often through different like religious type organizations. Actually, that comes up a lot. Those are we get a lot of those questions. Through a spouse. Health insurance through a spouse, um, if one spouse is still working, would probably be the best option in most cases. But yeah, there there are other options. It's just before the Affordable Care Act, one potential downside of an early retirement is you don't have a good source for health insurance, or at least the health insurance could be quite expensive. And the Affordable Care Act, with the subsidies it created, did facilitate making it easier for an early retiree to get affordable health insurance. No, and, and this gives people, the reason I brought it up too, it gives people an option. A lot of folks you know, re- retire at 65 specifically because that's when their Medicare decision is made, right? And so they, they try to stick around for, for at least that long. But uh, there's two caveats there. You know, if you're in a situation that you, you absolutely dread, there are options, right? And, and you may not have a spouse insurance or you know, the COBRA may be cost prohibitive or whatnot. The other piece is, as we mentioned, we've mentioned previously in these podcasts, and, and Ray mentioned as a retirement risk, folks retire unexpectedly early. You know, a, a lot of folks think, okay, I'm going to retire at 65, but there are various reasons why people actually retire sooner than that age that are out of their control. And so if this ever does happen, you know, it's good for you to know what options you have available to yourself. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and how that can impact the, the tax planning that you might want to do. And that's really the, the story. So I think we can go ahead and we don't have one of our epically long episodes this week. And it, <laughs> but I think this is, again, it's, it's an issue that doesn't apply to everyone. But if it does apply to you, it's a really important issue. So... Well, we, we, we figured, though, there was, there was a lot of math to do in this one. So if you listen to it twice, it's probably the length of one of our normal episodes. <laughs> there you go. So, right. uh, you know, there, there you have it. And look, this is one of these get in, get out, get the information kind of episodes. So uh, more than happy to oblige. Mm-hmm. So thanks, everyone. And we'll, we'll see you again next week, probably with a, a special guest. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All righty, everyone. <laughs> Hope you enjoyed the holidays. Bye. Take care. Wade and Alex are both principals in McLean Asset Management and Retirement Researcher. Both are SEC registered investment advisors located in Tysons, Virginia. The opinions expressed in this program are for general informational and educational purposes only and are not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for any individual or on any specific securities. To determine which investments may be appropriate for you, consult your financial advisor. All investing comes with a risk, including risk of loss. Past performance does not guarantee future results.